The best time to get a great deal on a Jeep SUV is now during the Summer of Jeep event. Visit Jeep.com or your local Jeep brand dealer to find the perfect Jeep SUV for you. Hurry in and make this the Summer of Jeep. Right now during the Summer of Jeep, purchase and get 10% below MSRP on the 2023 Jeep Compass Limited 4x4 or Renegade Latitude 4x4. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. Contact dealer for details. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery by 731-23. Jeep is a registered trademark. Everyone knows that putting money aside in savings is really important. But then what? Should you keep your savings locked in a CD for a higher rate or keep them liquid in a money market? Can your checking account help you save too? Or is it about creating the right combination? We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about the savings options that are right for you. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com. Member FDIC. In a world of uncertainty, one thing is for sure. Cancer doesn't stop during a global crisis. On Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, LLS, will host a trailblazing event, Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by AbbVie. To support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and in first-class patient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation, step up to cancer by climbing 61 floors on uh, or 1,762 steps, inside or outside on the stairs or on the road or your treadmill, climb your way, join us for an opening ceremony, and then climb your way up with our heart-pumping playlist. Join us on June 13th from coast to coast as we come together to climb, conquer, and cure. Register at lls.org slash Big climb. All right, that's the opening advertisement for the today. A good, a good cause, of course. I just want to give, uh, not a warning, but sort of just let you guys know what's going on in today's episode. Greg and I, you may have heard there's some things going on in the United States and across the world. Greg and I get pretty serious about it and share our feelings. Um, this is the New York Rangers podcast. Do we talk about the New York Rangers, you're asking? Yeah, we do. Um, we answer a bunch of five-star questions. We talk about some topics, but... Honestly, we just couldn't hold back, and you're getting exactly who we are um, during this episode. So I know that's sometimes not what you come here. You come here to get away, but today's one of those days we couldn't help ourselves. And uh, I hope everyone out there is staying safe and doing what you can to help improve your community. Love you guys, and here's the show. Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Hey, Bruce Rebecca fans. Welcome to the Week of the Wish Breakaway. I'm your host, Ryan Mead. I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan. Greg, you say hello first. No. Yeah, don't. That's not tradition. Honestly. I don't really want Can I just say, I, I, I don't even know where to start with this podcast, right? You and I, sometimes when we do podcasts, we come on here. Sometimes we don't, we don't have plans. A lot of the times we don't have plans. and I think we end up doing a pretty good job. Today's one of those days where I really don't even want to do this. I have experienced and seen things this weekend that I never really wanted to see in my lifetime. I've watched things that happen. And Gre- and you know what the fucking craziest part about this, Gregory, is? is We did a podcast two months ago at the start of a pandemic. And I gotta tell you, I was more willing to do that podcast than this one. It- it's... I'm... I'm embarrassed. I'm heartbroken. I'm frustrated. I'm everything. And... As a person who now lives in West Philadelphia, who has seen a lot of this up front, it's been a really hard weekend. Coming off 
And you know what? You know what? You know, not that this sucks and there's nothing comparison. I thought this was going to be a fun show. Like, if you would have asked me last Thursday, what's Monday's show going to look like? I would have been like, bonkers. So much fun. We're going to talk about people's moms getting called and other other New York Rangers nonsense. After last week, I think we had our most sports-centric, fun, normal sports season Blue Shirts breakaway ever. But you know what it's not the time for now, Greg? That. Because I just... We're living in a timeline that is just... I mean, it's always been this way, and it's now it's even more accentuated. It's it's so hard to even emphasize or say the right words. I, I, I'm so frustrated. I know I struggle with the English language in general, but I have to tell you, this whole weekend, and especially right now, recording Monday night, June 1st, 7.09 p.m., uh, is very disappointing, and I'm trying to just get through it, really. Yeah, I wouldn't – you mentioned the phone call. I wouldn't call that bonkers or crazy or anything. That I, kid basically got what he was asking for. I, yeah, but uh, I laughed about it for like a good 28 minutes I, straight. Even, even if it's a funny visual, I yeah. mean, kid's a prick. Right. He, I, he probably deserved much worse than what he actually got. He got a scolding from his mother, but he was you know, threatening people, basically being part of the problem that society is responding to forcefully, mm-hmm. I would say over the last 72 96 hours or so uh it really sucks doing this pod again we're, we're two, two white podcasts. guys two so when we white say podcasters, yeah. yeah when we say this sucks it is not to demean uh anything that's going on in the world it's just us being poor with the english language but we were going to start recording this podcast a little earlier than this as you know as many people know i work in news which means when the president of the United States all of a sudden wants to get out there and say something uh, makes my day a little bit more complicated. It means I work a little bit longer than I normally do. I got to be honest with you. The last thing I wanted to do was sit down and have a microphone in front of my face after listening to that just absolute embarrassment of, I don't even want to call it a press conference. It's, the most surreal thing I think I've I've seen a lot of fucking weird things and surreal things. It's been and depressing things. It won't stop, Gregory. I've, I feel like the last six months have just been exactly what you described every single day. Well, like, not not is, even just the last six months. Like I've been working in news since 2012, so we're a solid eight years into this. I've seen down in when I was in Georgia, there were protests over a uh, officer involved shooting that killed someone. I've seen. So I, I was in the newsroom for Ferguson. I was in the newsroom for the 2016 election. I was in the newsroom for the Las Vegas shooting. I was in the newsroom for Sandy Hook. Right. Like I, these, these things happen and you're in an environment where you're almost not allowed to process them as quickly because it's your job to allow other people to process them first. But what I just saw where the president was supposed to start speaking at 615. It got pushed back all the way to about 645. Um, in that 30 minutes, all you hear are canisters exploding in the background, tear gas exploding all the time. And all you're looking at is an empty podium with the presidential seal on it. Something that's supposed to be one of the most iconic images that exists in the United States of America. Correct. And then the president comes up and says what he says, and it's, it's embarrassing. Uh, it is. I there aren't enough words to describe how just out of touch, out of 
you know what the sad thing is? I, is I don't think it was out of touch. I think he spoke from the heart. I think he meant every word he said. I think he felt like he was doing the right thing. Right. And I think that's exactly how we've ended up where we've ended up. It's it it's not one moment that put us into this new world that we're currently living in. It's not just George Floyd. It is so much. And it is an inability for many people to say something, to speak out, to stand up for what's right. And it I I think we're we're hopefully past the point of where this we now like we should have known long ago, but I I don't know how you can sit down now and think of any of this being humanly acceptable on just the rawest of terms. That this is what's uh, crazy it, to me is like this is not a political thing. This is a human's rights issue. And that's how I see it. Like I don't see it as like a oh, this is Republican Democrat shit. Like that's not what we're doing here. We're just fighting for rights of people. Like I I don't see how that's uh, uh what if, what is so controversial about being like I wish we were all on the same page? Maybe we we were like some of us don't understand. Maybe we have you know we have to now. You need to see what actually is happening because everyone has a cell phone. All these things, you, I, the amount of brutality I've watched over the weekend through Twitter is is asinine, Gregory. It it makes my head explode. Uh, it's it's brazen. It's it's uh, it's. I don't even understand the level of don't give a fuck that you could possibly have to be responding to something that is protesting a hateful action caught on camera by committing more hateful actions that are caught on camera. And it's like the Louisville, Kentucky reporter who was shot with yep. rubber bullets. Yep. Uh, I shit not again, like 20 minutes ago, there was, a video already up of a photographer in DC just getting fucking body slammed yeah, I saw it. by a riot shield. It's just, I, those are just two examples. I, oh, at the many. police car, the NYPD vans literally running into crowds of people. It's also unbelievable. Like I was listening to a podcast a very long time ago with Arlo white, who does soccer for the premier league. Mm -hmm. And it was a very, this wasn't, it was just a podcast talking about things. And I remember um, it was a Men in Blazers episode and Roger and Davo asked Arlo White of why he doesn't use the term unbelievable more. And Arlo was explaining how the term itself is kind of an oxymoron. If it's unbelievable, you shouldn't be seeing it unfold in front of you. It's not anything that can be captured in the moment so he never likes to use the term because he thinks it's not something that should be achieved and it's not anything that can be achieved on a sporting field uh the images we've seen the last three days the sad thing is i don't think they're unbelievable because i i think you'd be blind stupid dumb all the above if you didn't think this stuff was fucking happening. It's just that we're people are getting it on tape now and it's happening. It's not that it's happening more frequently, but when it happens, it is very public. And there's so, and, there's so much like counter information everywhere. Like, you know, the, the looting and such like that. Like, listen, 
I live in West Philadelphia. Last night, a bar across my street got its windows broken. The pizza place I go to got its windows broken. But, like, none of that is in comparison whatsoever to what people are fighting for. Like, Black Lives Matter and people stand with the black community in this situation. It's a totally different game. To say that, like, the, these looters are are, are discrediting or, or, or this whole movement is, like, it, it blows my mind. There's so much disinformation everywhere, and it's hard for me to even speak about. Like, it's just so tough. Like, yeah, I was, like, scared for my own, like, safety last year, last night here in West Philadelphia. But this morning when I just see, like, some glasses broken, like, I don't give a shit. Like, that's fine. These businesses are fine. Like, yes, I wish I wish small businesses wouldn't get attacked. I'd prefer if, if looting didn't happen on those businesses. Yes. But in the grand scheme of things, this is about lives. This is about oppression and the way we work as a society. And this is about a system that clearly favors white people over black people in 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 a lot of situations and gregory the thing that pisses me off the most and listen i want to take a side i'm doing a total side tangent right now before we get back to what pisses me off the most i know you come here to listen about new york rangers i know you come here never to listen to talk about politics i know you're about to leave a one-star review we're still we still haven't once brought up politics by the way fine you're right we're not talking about politics this is like like i said this is a human this is this is about humans it's not about politics but you know, some people are going to say that this is the week I can't do it. I try and quote unquote stick to sports, and this is the week I can't do it. I won't. I I, I would feel totally wrong if I just quote unquote stuck to sports and talked about Tony D'Angelo's podcast. But one second, Greg, because I hear you going. The thing that bothers me the most, really the the most, is that two to three weeks ago, people were out protesting against the coronavirus, a virus I fucking have had, whichever I don't know. That I was lucky, they told me at the ER I got, I won the Corona Lottery, and that I'm likely immune now, and it kicked my fucking ass. And I know it's hurt a lot of people and killed a lot of people, and nobody, not a goddamn soul, at, the, at least that I've ever seen or reported on, were, was abused by the police. And they were up in their face yelling and screaming at them, wearing no masks, having, like, threatening legitimate harm to public health and these police officers, and nobody... Not one person was touched. Yeah, they had, they had, they had guns. Yeah, they, they had they AR-15s. They straight up had guns. So, like, what the hell? Like, and now all of a sudden, I see these peaceful protests, and there's, like, I don't think I'm missing anything here. I see the police brutality, and I know there's instigators, and I know there's, like, other things happening. It's so, that's the part that infuriates me the most, is that we had these people fighting against a national pandemic of disease I had. And and now what? Now now we do peaceful protests and we abuse. Okay, great. That's I just want people to be accountable. Why is that so hard? Yeah, I mean, if people want us to summarize Rangers hockey for them, just so we can say we did it. Sure. Uh, the Hurricanes are still bitter. Yeah, I don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody. Igor is still likely to start. I don't give a shit how many people say that. Henrik Lundqvist doesn't want to retire. No fucking shit. Yeah, I don't know how many times we've had to say that. Uh, Tony D'Angelo has a podcast coming out. Cool. Fucking tone deaf for the Rangers to retweet that. Not fucking surprised. Bull fucking shit if we think Tony D'Angelo is just going to stick to hockey stuff in his podcast. Dude can't help himself. But let him uh, let him have it. Like, I don't know what the, you know, it, that's that's yeah. Tony's, Tony's, if Tony wants to talk, he can talk. He didn't do anything it, yet. Don't listen. At the, at, the, at the same time, read the fucking room. Like, for sure. For that's, sure. That's, that's where I understand people being upset. It's. He Tony was living in his own fucking world, thinking everything was fine, 
and to a lesser extent, Brendan, well, not even to a lesser extent, to the equal extent, Brendan Lemieux, who definitely fanned flames after it was announced. Just read the fucking room. If you want to do it, wait. You got to wait. I don't, I don't, there's, episode's not up, Tony. You really want to do, like, I, we don't even know if he's fucking recorded anything yet. No, the episode there's didn't no even fucking come out. benefit. Yeah. Yeah. Wait. Wait, man. If you really want to announce there, here's the thing. Tony D'Angelo probably isn't a good time for that motherfucker to have a podcast, right? Clay Travis has enough of the platform. We don't need more of those guys running around. But at the same, just understand. And that's, we sit here at 721 p.m. Monday night. Haven't seen, I, part of me, I say this knowing that none of us, none of us should be turning to professional sports teams for them to stand up and say something. Because we know it's, yeah, you're it's going just gonna, going here. it's going to be fucking nothing, right? Like, yep. It, yeah, Islander we'll, response we'll was get equally, pitiful. We'll get equally angry if they don't say anything or if they say something like the Islanders did where they're applauding police for their restraint, even though, again, we've seen fucking what police have done outside the Barclays Center where the Islanders play home games. So don't don't give anybody – no one's going to buy your fucking restraint statement. But we're sitting here, and the only New York City team to have posted anything today are the New York Mets. The only reason the Mets posted something is because they were trying to celebrate – Johan Santana's anniversary of his no hitter. And everyone's like, what the fuck are you doing? Read the fucking room. It just haven't seen anything from the Rangers. Haven't seen anything from the Knicks. Haven't seen anything from the Giants, the Jets, the Yankees. The Yankees is a surprising one. It's, it, that, it's, it's weird because it's, all of it is just virtue hunting, right? Like they're not actually very few organizations. I saw what the Dallas Stars said and it was phenomenal. Uh, and what Jonathan Taze said today was the Taze. The Taze, our paragraph on Instagram. If you haven't gone or read it, that's that's some real shit right there. Right, like the Mets don't get brownie points for basically saying yeah. their statement could cool. be interpreted as it could be interpreted as like pro cop or pro protester. Like it's it's so bland that it could it says everything someone would want it to say to reaffirm their own point without ever actually saying anything at all. So it's not like I'm trying to sit here and say, well done. First of all, should have done it fucking days ago. Shouldn't have had to wait until five o'clock on a Monday to put that statement out there. Uh, it's embarrassing, but it's still embarrassing. I, I would be personally embarrassed if I was working in a PR department for one of those organizations and we hadn't said anything at this point. It At some point, you need to stand up, not just for yourself, but... If the organization wants to say they are a representation of the community they serve, you're not doing anything by doing nothing. In fact, you're doing harm by doing nothing. So it is, it's a damn shame. And I'll say this, uh, to the people that have unfollowed us on Twitter over the last 72 hours, sure. I was thinking about this today. It would take me over 10 years to spend 24 hours getting to know each individual follower that we have that it never in my life will I ever be able to personally meet 4,000 different people that would be an accomplishment only ancient Romans can say they've accomplished sure. it's it's unfathomable uh but if you follow me I don't have to follow a set of rules for you I personally don't give a fuck I've never given a fuck about trivial things People complaining about the amount I talk about the Mets. People bashing on me for talking about soccer here and there. I don't give a shit, motherfucker. You're following me. I'm not following you. If you follow me, you get all of me. And I think people that are now 
you're just selling yourself out by unfollowing. I didn't want you in the first place, motherfucker. If you can't handle me while this shit's going on, and it's just, it's just literally being there for people we care about and people we know and people that are going through so much more than we've ever gone through. If you don't want to be around for that, you don't deserve me for when I'm cracking Ranger jokes, when I'm making Ranger points that you may or may not like. No one's, um, if, if people don't know this by now, you and I, we're not characters. This is like who no. we are. You know, we, we're ourselves. And, yeah. and Greg, you get, you you, get you've Greg, never, you get Greg you've Kaplan and Ryan never me. pretended to be anybody else. And that's why I like wouldn't, doing the show. I wouldn't with know you. how to. Me either. I wouldn't know how to. Me either. You you guys follow, you guys listen, you listen to Greg Kaplan and Ryan Mead. Yeah, 98% of the time, we're going to talk about the New York Rangers. Fuck yeah. 1.9% of the other time, we're going to talk about the New York Mets. <laughs> but every now and then, you're going to get fucking real. Yeah. You're going to get just us being real. And that's that's it. That's all we can be. That's all we're going to be. And right now, like you said, Ryan, it's been 80 days since there is a professional hockey game. Nothing has changed since the last time we heard anything. My man. We don't. You don't need us sitting here talking about the latest thing that someone connected to the Carolina Hurricanes said that is just hilarious from a bitch you're scared type of standpoint. It doesn't fucking matter. We'll talk about it next week, maybe, possibly. I'm sure they'll give us six more examples between now and then. And so we have another show like coming out on Wednesday anything. where we'll probably talk about the Rangers. So we'll see. Yeah. Or Thursday guess, morning. Guess sorry. what? Li- life is more important than sports. I right. think that's pretty simple. Right now, for me especially, um, it, it definitely is. And yeah, like, did you even did you even give a shit today that basically owners said they'll pro they'll pay salaries of baseball players I don't and now care. they just got to figure Cancel out games? Season, I didn't give idiots. a shit. I, I, don't, I didn't give a shit. They're not going to play fifty games. Get out of here. Like, I don't. No, I don't care. That Ryan, they're gonna they're gonna play eighty two. The the I number the, the baseball players gave and the number that the owners gave literally the 50 percent marker in both directions is 82 from them they'll play half a season but also who gives a shit it ain't that important not right now there's way more important things i think and again i people say i i don't even know where to go with this but we've i've dreamed about being in sports journalism i finally achieved it with my friend gregory here we've gotten some accolades it's been a nice ride and i know some of our job revolves around sports it's great that sports aren't happening right now because people can't like turn this off this is what's happening like this is a serious change moment in our history and if we don't embrace it and say hey shouldn't we help our fellow humans who are being oppressed shouldn't we help people who are being brutalized in the streets and don't and don't let anything like fool you from that this is about humans this is about your neighbor this is about your community and your neighborhood and what you think about and how you're going to move going forward how are you going to do good going forward? Listen, I love to do good. You know that. I love helping. I love to help people out. And to see my neighborhood in West Philly get tear gassed, people on their porch, six blocks from me yesterday, breaks my fucking heart. And I have to be better. We have to be better. And as a country, I don't know where we go next, but we have to make a step in the right direction. And again, I'm a shitty white male podcaster who hosts a podcast about the New York Rangers. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, but I do know what we're doing right now is wrong. That's all I do know. I will, I will, I'll say this as well. The people that say uh, these protests won't accomplish anything, you have to do it at the ballot box. Guys, we fucking tried. 
like I, I don't know what else to tell you there. I, I, I don't know how many times we've tried to change shit at the ballot box, and it hasn't, it hasn't worked up until this point, right? Like you go back, not even four years ago, just all of this shit. Like De Blasio recently reelected. What are we doing? What are we fucking doing there? Cuomo, I don't know. He's his heart seems to be in the right place, but he's one corrupt and dumb motherfucker. What are we doing there? And we're just, I don't know. I don't know if it's us not. I don't know what it is, man. I really don't. I don't know if it's just like. My, my counterpoint to that fucking, is, again, we're not making this. I, I really believe, and I know people will say this differently. We've said nothing political on this show. I really do believe that. And when you pointed out to me, I was like, you're right. We've said nothing political. We've just said the truth and what's happening right now and how we feel. But the the, the not voting thing. My man, no, you, I'm not. Saying, you oh, got, wait, you got to vote. I just, vote. I don't know. Hold on, hold on. I, I don't know. Like, it hasn't been decided at the ballot box before. No, it hasn't. I, maybe, but maybe this will be different now. But right, shit. We're, like, you're not going to get rid of everybody. Right. And if you're not going to get rid of, you have to get rid of everybody. It has to be a restart. And how do you restart? That's that's the point. It's, you know, people are going to be like, "Oh, you're Antifa now. Cool." <laughs> but terrorist. Well, that shit's terrifying, dude. Yeah, like because it's think not- think about it. How do you prove you're not? Yeah, like I don't know. Literally, you can claim anybody is. Mm-hmm. So it's just, I don't know. It. I've seen fucking V for Vendetta. They could just come knocking on your door and put a bag over your head. That's, that's the last people are going to see of you. Like I don't. That that's what makes that threat so fucking terrifying. I don't know how I would defend myself if someone said I was. I don't fucking know how to describe what it is. So I it's, like, uh, like if it's someone anti-fascist. Are you anti-fascism? I seem to be. Mm, I got I bad news, be. Gregory. You're under yeah. arrest and you're a terrorist. Yeah, bad bad day to be a 31 year old Jewish kid living in Troy, New York. Gotta yeah. tell you, uh-huh. tough look for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, it this all fucking sucks. Like I I don't know what else to really say. Uh, I I'm you I, I don't out have- of respect for our employer. Do yep. we have five star questions? Oh fuck! I was so like, angry. Do we even do we even have any? I, I don't know. Well, I'll find out right now. I usually have this up. I you might know that I was a little amped before this podcast today. You didn't even you didn't even have to watch Trump. Did you watch? Him? I watched. Oh, I watched. silly boy! I warned you not to. Out of respect <sighs> for our employer. Out of respect for our employer. This will be your ten minutes of Rangers hockey. It might before be before we should mention we're talking it might with be more. Our, our our co-worker and boy i one day hope to be his good friend ryan clark who is an absolute gem and if you guys didn't read either of his two articles that were posted to the athletic today one was his interview with evander kane and one was just another think piece with other african-american writers that called the athletic home both are fantastic both deserve your time if you're trying to we won't be able to fully understand what the hell's going on ryan and myself but it, we're trying and articles like the one with evander kane are going to help you at least point you in the right direction. We've got a million five-star questions. Here we go. Fantastic. <laughs> All right. Welcome to the Rangers portion of the show. Uh, Original MC1 asks, Hey, guys, Mike from New Haven again. What's up, Mike? Your OT episode on Carrie Price Bar- slash Bryce Harper being overrated got me thinking. Who is your most underrated player ever? For example, guys like John Olrood and Kenny Lofton come to mind for baseball. But as far as hockey is concerned, I've never felt like guys like Chris Osgood or Pete Serka uh, were never quite given their due. Also, for Rangers Canes, please get Sarah Sivian back on the podcast. She's the best. We have reached out to Sarah. She will be coming back on, I think. Um, Maybe. Yeah, Kenny 
Kenny Lofton, I feel like Mike used that name specifically because I definitely yell about Kenny Lofton and Jim Edmonds all the time about how, and to a lesser extent, again, it's Mark, it's June 1st, Johan Santana's in his conversation as well. Those are three guys that deserve Hall of Fame credit and consideration that fell off the ballot after one year. Um, Hockey-wise, I was always a big Olaf Kolzig guy in terms of goalies who I thought never got enough credit. That's interesting. But if we wanted to... If we wanted to go skaters, it's tough. Uh, I do think – I don't know because I feel like the, the, the quote-unquote sabermetric crowd love Marion Hosa, But I feel like how Hosa's career ended Hossa with the bizarre really injury. Yeah, I, I think most of the guys that become underrated, it's because their careers ended – in really bizarre ways. And I think Hosa fits that bill. He was so good for so long. And then he kind of just disappeared from us because of that like weird infection. Um, so that's my gut says Hosa. I might be wrong. I'm sure a lot of people say no is properly rated, but I would say goalie Olaf Kolzig and skater Marion Hosa. I think for me, um, just in current times, I think it's Barkov because he plays in Florida and nobody knows how good he is. He's still young, though. Like, there's still a lot of his career that needs to be determined. Mm, that's fair. I just feel like, like he's, if, he's a tremendous player who just goes totally unnoticed. I, I feel like I feel like it's not a good example for us because, again, I feel like we understand it. But mm-hmm. I feel like Phil Kessel's unappreciated at times. I think Jean Rattel is a little bit underrated. You're not going that deep. Come on. Okay. Stop that. Fine. Stop that. <laughs> Brad, Brad Park would be the old school New York answer there, by the way. A good one. All right, we Rattel's got, got a fucking number retired, dude. I think he's in the Hall of Fame, too. That's fair. I think he's properly recognized. This is Mike from Twitter. What's up, guys? Mike from Twitter. He literally says it. Wow. Greg, I hope horse racing is, is, is bountiful. Ryan, I hope your balls are feeling better after the ultrasound. Thanks, Mike. Uh, and they're not. Right, I'm writing this on Tuesday night after the news broke about the playoffs. We know that their slim odds of getting a good pick if we win against the Canes. Does it make more sense to lose the series, at least try and get a good pick overall? Also, with Lemieux being suspended for how long the playoffs is, should we worry about not having our grittiest player rough up the Canes for at least a few games? Uh, can I just, can I just say on can, the Lemieux front before yeah, we talk about anything we else? We can do it. Yeah, I I'm fucking tired of everyone saying that Lemieux – we act like he's the only guy that, quote-unquote, plays with an edge. I know that fucking – Ryan Lindgren is right there, boy, by the Rick. Way, just bleeding. I know, I know Rick loves saying it, but let's fucking stop, all right? Chris Kreider. We're going to say he doesn't play with an edge? He led the Tony team D'Angelo. in penalty minutes for like two years. Tony D'Angelo, we're going to say he doesn't play with an edge? Fights a lot of people. Jacob Truba, we're going to say he doesn't play with an edge? Hit, hit that Islander like a train. Ryan Lindgren, we're going to say he doesn't play with an edge? What is he's still bleeding. How many guys with an edge do you need on your team? I just The the people who were yelling at me when I was like, you guys you guys know that Brandon Lemieux probably isn't that good at hockey and the Rangers could do better. Like, he's not that good at hockey. Like, he... If the only thing the Rangers are keeping him around for is because he's fucking Mahatma Gandhi in the dressing room and he quote-unquote plays with an edge, they got a lot of guys that play with an edge on this team. I don't know how many you need. I don't, I don't know what the threshold is. I feel like four is a lot. And I feel like when two of them are two of your better players in Truba and Kreider, you're usually good. I don't think any of the Rangers feel like they're getting hunted because they don't have enough guys that play with an edge. Michael Haley was in this lineup for God knows how long. Yeah. And it's not like he was protecting any Rangers. No, a lot of the Rangers were protecting themselves. Um, well, I... the first part of his question, do I feel the Rangers should lose? No. no. Because, again, the Rangers, if they lose in the first round, in all likelihood, they're still going to be picking in that 12, 13, 14 range. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not like that pick is so 
delicious. It's not going to be significantly more delicious than 18, 19, 20. So no, the Rangers should just try to win. The Hurricanes are scared. We've seen them. We've read it. We know the Rangers are 4-0 against them this year. Just go out there and win. See what the fuck happens. Because if you beat the Hurricanes, odds are you're going to get a pretty good draft pick anyway. So agree. Uh, BL Smooth 214 asks, question about goaltending. I know Igor was our best goalie this year, but shouldn't we consider Hank's track record of big games going into the play the round? Uh, he's good against the Canes, and he always rises to the occasion in the playoffs. Who knows? He can experience a little magic in his twilight his career and take us to the playoff run. Just a thought. Thanks for the great work, guys. Love the pod. I think you can make a statistical argument for Hank, but unfortunately, I think you really have to look at the age, the rust, and the way he's fallen off, and most importantly, how actually amazing Igor is. The emotional tie is there with Hank, and I don't blame you for that whatsoever. But Igor is young and uh, like pretty much elite almost at this point, uh, and you would need to ride him through the playoffs as much as I love Hank. Well, it's it's not just that. It's I just this isn't a normal playoff, so I don't even. Like, yes, they're big games, but it, the Rangers are going from not having played for three-plus months to now playing in the playoffs. So it's like, it's it's not the same as going into the playoffs normally and a goalie knowing how much he needs in the tank to get through the playoffs. This is unlike anything we've ever seen before. I think you throw out every other playoff series that has ever happened because this one is completely unique, completely different, and completely independent. So Typing, sorry. If, if Hank's the best option, Hank's the best option. I just, where we sit right now on June 1st, you're crazy if you think Hank's the best option. He, he's, he's just not, all uh, things considered. Casey from Boston asks, five-star question. Uh, Greg and Ryan, thanks for maintaining content during, uh, and the pod TM, uh, the, these last few months. It's been really entertaining with new episode drops. It helps me re- remember what day it is. That's what we're here for, to help you remember what day it is. It helps ha- me remember what day it is. Seriously, me too. I have a scenario, but it really just boils down to this. Jack Eichel or Anthony Sorelli? Which player would you rather have on the Rangers for the upcoming contention window? Of the two, which is the easier to acquire uh, and which trade sheet or offer sheet package is easier to swallow? Thanks again. Looking forward to more Kane slander on the timeline. Casey. Uh, yeah. I mean, dollar for dollar, Jack Eichel, like he's a better hockey player. Yes. So as good as much as I like Anthony Sorelli, and it's always intriguing to get the super young guy, but it's like Jack Eichel, I think is only 23. Yeah. So it's, it's not exactly like Eichel's old. Uh I understand that you can squint and convince yourself that it's easier to acquire Sorelli because the Lightning have uh, Braden Point already. At the same time, because the Lightning have this just ooze talent down there in Tampa Bay, they don't have to give Sorelli up for anything cheap. I Look, it's going to be impossible to acquire either player. The only thing that the Rangers could kind of hope out for is that Eichel is annoyed and pissed off he, he's definitely frustrated with everything going on in Buffalo. So if he demands his way out, uh, that's something that will make it a little bit easier to acquire him. I put it out there on Twitter, and I honestly, the people who were saying they wouldn't do it from a Ranger perspective, first of all, are nuts. Uh, it's more likely that the Sabres would say no to this. If the Sabres had a normal GM, they would say no to this. I, w- I will say that Botterill is a train wreck. So he might actually say yes to not just this package, but something less. But I think... Off the top of my head, I said Niels Lundqvist, Vitaly Kravtsov, Philip Hedl, Alex Georgiev, and two first-round picks. And that probably puts you in the Eichel ballpark. But again, if I'm the Sabres, I still don't take that deal. I don't. Yeah, I don't see how you do that. He's a top 10 player at 23. 
the Sabres have sucked at building around Eichel. So you're going to have to now convince them that they're better off trying to build without him at all. And I think that is an impossible leap to make if you're in the Sabres perspective, where like, I just don't know how as a GM, you can't all of a sudden justify parting ways with Eichel. doesn't make any sense to me. This is from Kako Praise B24. Excellent job as, the po- as always in the podcast. Considering we'll, we'll make, how about this? We'll make this the last one. We'll save the other ones for OT. Wait, I got to do, I got, let, save let, let, let's save this one. We'll save this one. Kako Praise B, we're going to save you. I have to do this one. Um, hey guys, love the pod. The end of my question got cut off last week because Rick came on. Anyway, <laughs> I did cut him off. <laughs> this is from Exceed. Uh, or her, sorry. Uh, what is uh, what has been your favorite most slash most memorable Ranger moment? Mine is Derek Stepan clinching Game Seven versus the Caps. The last one is for Greg. What do you think about Bartolo Colon returning for the Mets? Love the podcast, praise be. I don't think because it won't happen. So I'll answer that one quickly. Uh, favorite Ranger moment that isn't Stepan. I don't know. That's hard for me. I was in the building for Stepan, so it's hard for me to say that there was a better one. I th- I think uh, there's that's in the last five years that's been the best one. It's, it's, it can't even be beat, really. Honestly, honestly this is going to sound weird. Go for it. Uh, but I kind of liked watching game six, even though the Rangers lost to the Capitals. Mm. Um, I liked watching that game because I was at a bar with my one friend in Savannah who was a big Ranger fan as well. And I was watching the game knowing that I was either calling in sick to work tomorrow, the next day, or the two days later because I had Ranger tickets and needed to get – to New York, or I was going to watch the Rangers clinch the series right then and there. So like, it was a really fun evening for me because either I play hooky on work and fly to New York for 36 hours or my favorite team advances in the playoffs. Right. So that's, that's one of the few games where like, I remember exactly where I was and exactly the circumstance leading up to that game. It wasn't a great game to watch, obviously, but I don't know. That's that was memorable to me. I think the Mother's Day is a really good one. Um, oh, the Marty game. Yeah, the Marty game is a really good one. I think the whole Penguin series when they came back from three one is fucking awesome. Like the whole thing. You know, the funny thing is, I remember the Rangers falling behind three to one, mm-hmm. and then I just don't like. I remember the process of the comeback, but I don't remember a singular moment from that series. That's fair. Yeah, I, I mean, other than Mother's Day, it's like hard to really. Pick yeah, it out. and it's. Also, I there are like too many Met memories for me to separate. Yeah, way too many. Like, I I know I can recount my entire night the night that Wilmer Flores hit the walk off home run on trade deadline day in 2015. I can't do that with Ranger games outside of the step on game. Let's uh, let's go to our good friend Ryan Clark. But before we do that, let's go to our sponsor this week, and we'll come back with Ryan Transition. Before we get to today's guest, uh, today's sponsor is Manscaped. Yes, Manscaped. The Last Dance documentary brought up a lot of ongoing debate that no one will ever win. Who is the GOAT? Is it Michael Jordan? Is it LeBron James? Is it Wayne Gretzky? I added that last one there. It says read verbatim, but I'm not doing what they said. Bad boy. Uh, one thing we know for sure is Manscaped is the GOAT for men's grooming. Manscaped is the only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming and hygiene. Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0 Essentials Kit. The Perfect Package 3.0 Essentials Kit comes with new and improved Lawn Mower (laughs) 3.0. It's so hard to read this without laughing about the Lawn Mower 3.0. Okay. Water-resistant cordless body trimmer. Wow. Performance boxer briefs. Wow. And a travel bag. 
for you to use when you're done quarantining. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC. That's THEATHLETIC at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with the free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code THEATHLETIC. Enjoy your lawnmower 3.0. And one more advertisement now. So The Athletic wants to let you guys know um, if there's any business owners out there or anybody that would like to advertise with The Athletic, we're open for business. That's right. You can go to theathletic.com slash podcast ads. Listen, you have a local shop in New York City that you want to have on this show? We could we could talk. Theathletic.com slash podcast ads. Most of our listeners are in and around New York City, and what better way to promote your business than through our show? Our loyal listeners engage and chit-chat with us just like you, and Listen, what better way to advertise yourself than on Belushers Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast? That's right. Do it. Theathletic.com slash podcasts. We'll see you there. Here's Ryan Clark. Hey, we're back with our guest of the day. We have Ryan Clark. He's the Colorado Avalanche beat writer for The Athletic and our dear coworker, and now a recurring guest on the Belushers Breakaway. Ryan, you wrote an awesome piece today with Evander Kane focusing on, um, seriously, the uh, the topic that is uh, toppled a pandemic and rightfully so in this case uh, a movement that is happening in the United States and and Black Lives Matter and racism in hockey um, when you first reached out to Evander uh, was he surprised that you reached out or was he ready to talk or how, how did this process go down sure well what I did is I went through the San Jose Shark Public Relations Department and an email saying, hey, this is who I am. Um, this is the story we're doing. Mm-hmm. Would it be possible to get a Vander for one of the things that we're writing? And they said, sure, let us get back to you, talk to a Vander to see if he's interested. Um, that was late Saturday night. And by Sunday morning, it was, yeah, a Vander would love to talk to you. We'll get him to you this afternoon. And around four o'clock mountain time, uh, he gave me a call and we talked for like 30, 35 minutes. And you know, look, there were some really complex questions that got asked, and we'll get to that here in a sec, but it was one of those things where he was more than open to having this discussion just because the question everybody keeps asking is, why now for the NHL? Vander Kane has talked about this, but, you know, why now for this league? And so for him, it was important to ask, what was it like for him to see not just Logan Couture come forward, but players like Brian Boyle, Connor Carrick, um, at that moment, really start speaking about this. Of course, since then, as we're recording, uh, Jonathan Taze has spoken out. Austin Matthews spoke out. Morgan Riley has talked about this on social as well. And so it's really the most you've ever seen the NHL or its players talk about an issue like racism in such an open format, and not even such an open format, but really just in general. Ryan, I this I'm going to apologize in advance for how crass this question sounds coming off because I, I I've asked it in my head a couple times, but I I haven't mastered how to better ask it. Do you think this has all come to a head, especially from an NHL perspective, indirectly because of the coronavirus? Because we have nothing else going on in this country. There is nothing to distract us from this one topic. Do you think that has helped players take the light and try to enact change in any way, shape, or form? don't think that's a crass question. It's a question a lot of people have been asking is, you know, has COVID impact of slowing down the world made people take more 
focus on certain issues? And the answer is no one really knows right now. Some people believe so, some people do not. But what it comes back to is when you look at this conversation that's being held, you wonder if that's played a part in it. Is it the fact that things are slowed down? Because let's say we were working under a regular schedule. We are June 1st. We're looking at the Stanley Cup playoffs, probably, if not the end of a conference final, the start of a Stanley Cup, who's to say? And this might be an issue that players may not be paying attention to because some are playing in the Stanley Cup, some are doing off-season training, some are getting away on vacation, and they may just want to unplug from the world. They're not the only ones. There are plenty of people around the world who want to unplug when they don't want to think about work. But given that right now, so many people are in a similar situation to where they are watching the same things, consuming the same things. It gets talked about. And not that these two events are comparable, but at the beginning of COVID-19, people would not stop talking about everything they saw on Netflix, especially something like Tiger King. It's yep. all you heard about. Whereas if you look at now and since then, there's been sort of these conversations where you notice more people are having them some about inconsequential issues, some about things that are much larger. And as it relates to race right now, it's a conversation that's being held in so many homes, not just in the United States and Canada, but really throughout the world. And from the different players that I've had a chance to speak to for an upcoming story, they were saying that these are incidents that they have seen, they've heard about on the news, They've also seen people that they know and respect talk about these things and how much it's deeply impacted them. And for them to watch these videos, it's given them this perspective of not only is this someone, someone dying and you're seeing this happen in front of you, but then it's leading them to ask questions of, why am I now just talking about this? And it's one player that I spoke to earlier today who said he had black teammates in college and he said one of them was always really quiet and he's like you know as i'm talking to you now it makes me wonder were they quiet because they didn't feel comfortable enough to be themselves when we were all in school together and he's like that's now something i have to think about and so what's going on right now is given people not only the idea of what's going on but it's made people want to speak up how many players we see speak up before the end of it, it's hard to say at this point. But for now, it appears like the world is watching. And not just the world, but everybody from different walks of life, different backgrounds, you name it. And that includes the NHL. You're seeing teams issue multiple statements. Um, you're seeing fans talk about this. You're, you're seeing it dominate the landscape almost it's hard to say unlike anything we've ever seen as it relates to race, because it's fair to say this probably is unlike anything we've ever seen as it relates to race. But this has become such a conversation piece and a conversation point that you really do wonder how far this is going to go. Well, this has been building up in the NHL for a few years. I mean, between Bill Peters um, and a, a million other events, uh, this seems to be since it's become a national topic, the NHL has just been like, okay, now this is the time. Like, but it makes me wonder, like, okay, why did it take this long? Like, how, why did why did it, why did it take a pandemic for us to finally face this issue that we've all been facing without some some people without even knowing? And it, it's just hard to uh, to fathom that as if you're 
uh, someone that follows the league and such like that. I mean, they it's a, sometimes it's a good old boys club, and these guys just stick around, and and that's what it is. I guess my my follow up question for that was I was going to ask, did a lot of people or a lot of players reach out to you personally today? But you did mention already that um, you're doing you've reached out to some players for upcoming story. Where did a lot of them reach out to you after reading the Evander Kane story or otherwise? More otherwise in the sense of just for the story itself, because it was one of those things where you want to talk to players who've spoken out about this, because this is still a subject at the end of the day that players are going to be at a certain comfort level discussing. And it's like anything, there might be conversations that you can have with people when there's no cameras and microphones, but when the attention is there, it's now that thought of, do you really want what's on your mind out there for public consumption? And maybe more guys eventually decide to speak out and share their opinions. Maybe they don't, you know, who's to say, but in terms of people reaching out, I mean, yes, it's been, you know, different writers that you work with and some that, uh, you know, work at other places, but still want to make sure you're okay. Um, there have been different people around the league that, you know, have wanted to know the same thing. And it really comes back to the big question of understanding. And it's for some people, the idea that you're aware of this and you know it, but to see it and then to learn more about it and to see how it's impacting so many different people in so many different cities, that's where people are really starting to notice. So it's led to conversations with people where they've asked, what is it like to be you? What is it like to go through this? Like, what is it like to see this wondering if there's a reason to have hope or reason to think that hope is a full errand. And it's some really big picture questions that this time a week ago, people were probably not thinking they were going to ask. And we've all sort of joked about the fact that, you know, just even May of 2020 felt like a year unto itself, but it's been a week ago since George Floyd died. And in some ways it feels maybe quicker. In some ways it possibly feels longer. But either way, it's been enough time for people to really sit there and begin to wrap their heads around an issue. And the, and the way to look at it, I'll be quiet, is it's almost kind of like in some ways, and maybe this is a poor example, but it's one that I've, I've used and no one's objected to it yet, is in some ways it's like mathematics in the sense of for someone like me, my family, and my friends who are Black, Hispanic, whatever, just minorities, when we've talked about race for us, one plus one is two. It's a really simple, straightforward thing to understand nuance, read between the lines. It's because we've grown up with it. I mean, full disclosure, my parents told me at five years old, never walk in a supermarket or a department store with hands in your pocket because people might think you still, you might've stolen something. But for people who this is all very new and being overloaded with this information, like advanced trigonometry, you're aware that there's numbers, there's variables, there's all sorts of different things that you think you realize and recognize, but at the end of the day, you're still learning what you deem to be an extremely advanced and complex subject. And that might be one way of looking at it. Ryan, from your perspective, has it been, we've mentioned a bunch of the hockey players that have come out and said something. I, I guess it's worth mentioning you know, Blake Wheeler, who's from Minnesota, had a very long post that he made public about everything happening. Logan Couture, who plays with 
Evander Kane had a long post of his own. Is it encouraging for you to see all of these players coming out, not being afraid to say how they feel and more so not being afraid to know that what they're feeling probably isn't even enough for the situation that we're in? Or are you still thinking that there's there needs to be more? Because while we have seen some players come out and say something, there are a shocking, shocking low number of numbers when you consider how many players are actually in the NHL. Here's the thing. So just for full disclosure, I don't really have an opinion on it one way or the other because if someone covering this, it's so dangerous to have an opinion Fair. on an event that you're covering. Right. But in terms of just the contextual argument about players coming out, is it low number or high number, looking at that, and this is something that I said on Vancouver Radio earlier today, and talked about with people is you have to look at it from this capacity. Compare the NHL to the NFL, Major League Baseball, and the NBA. So Major League Baseball has had Jackie Robinson, had Kurt Flood with free agency. It's going through a period the last 20 years where you're seeing more Spanish-speaking ball players become the face of the league. It led to the league introducing translators, a move that some people felt should have happened decades earlier as you started seeing a greater influx of Spanish-speaking players from Puerto Rico, the Dominican Republic, Venezuela, Cuba come through and, and play. But those issues have been discussed. You look at the NFL and every six months, it seems like there's some sort of social issue being discussed, whether it's about race, gender, domestic abuse, whatever you want. It's, it's out there for public consumption. And with the NBA, it's a league that's been at the vanguard of these issues. I mean, they've kicked out an owner for racism in Donald Sterling. And it's a league that has made it clear these things will not be tolerated. Whereas if you look at the NHL, yes, there's been Willie O'Ree, but the, the conversation about race has never really happened. But what makes it such an interesting juxtaposition, gentlemen, is when you look at how this league has handled big issues. So we've seen this league take on something like mental health with Bell's Let's Talk. It's players like Theron Fleury speaking up about what he went through, the way he was abused. It's hearing Robin Leonard and his story and, and coming forward about what he encountered. You've seen this league talk about LGBTQ issues. Yes, it's still a contentious subject, but you have Pride Night. You have You Can Play. You have Brian Burke losing his son who was gay. And in the aftermath of this, there became a more of a, a conversation about how do we embrace LGBTQ people and their thoughts and beliefs and ideas into this game so they do feel welcome and with gender it's again another subject that where there's been contention and pushback so when you look at the nhl and how they've addressed the women's game you've seen pushback but at the same time you've seen people fight for that cause so whether it's been the exposure kendall coin schofield received at the all-star game the three on three the fact that you're seeing more women in broadcast booths like A.J. Molesko, uh, the fact that you're seeing Cami Granado and Alexandra Mandricki play critical roles in the development of what NHL Seattle is trying to achieve, it is there. It has been discussed. But when it comes to race and racism, it's a conversation that has not happened yet, which when you look at all those pieces, that's what makes this question of why now so critical in the sense of why people are trying to say, why is this now becoming a thing the NHL is talking about? Why is it that this was the moment 
players are talking about. But again, it's all about the context of how you look at these leagues. And the NHL has been a league that while it has dealt with social issues, this has not been one of them. Honestly, that's an amazing point and one I didn't consider up until now. And kudos to you for, for bringing that up. I know you said you know, you, you're, you, it's dangerous to have opinion on a story moving forward. But is there anything, I, I, I don't want to say in your opinion, but is there, do you think there's any plan for the NHL moving forward on how to handle this? I know they put out a statement um, and cer- certain teams have put out statements, uh, but not all at this point. How the NHL and how teams are going to address this is certainly going to be looked at, Ryan, because it's one thing to have the conversation, but it's another to follow through on it. And that's what people are going to be waiting to see is what are they going to do? What programs, what initiatives, what items and, under, and things are going to undertake to kind of follow through with this? And that's really been the most intriguing part about assessing this landscape right now, not just so much with the NHL, but just people as a whole, where everyone keeps saying this whole idea of like, okay, is this the moment it turns? Here's the thing. Let's think back to... 2008, when Barack Obama was first elected, Mm -hmm. there were people who said, hey, this is the moment where America became a post-racial society, and it showed that if the nation can elect a black man to its highest office, that there should be no problems. There have clearly been problems since. And that's the thing is, you look at these moments, and you go, are they landmark moments? Are they not? But even if you don't want to use Obama, you can look at Ferguson and say, should that have been it? You look at the Rodney King riots in Los Angeles, uh, the LA riots involving Rodney King, excuse me. Should that have been it? Shouldn't Emmett Till having an open casket with a mulch face have been it? Should the videos of dogs biting black people, black people getting booted out of lunch counters, being sprayed with fire hoses, should that have been it? Should four black girls dying in a church bombing in Alabama should that have been it and these are the things that again is just everybody's just continued to ask is you want to ask is this the landmark moment and in a lot of ways we're not going to know the true answer to that question until several years probably decades down the road if at all but when you look at what's happened in the past it makes you wonder is there such thing as a landmark moment? Because it goes back to something my dad has said, which my dad is 83 years old. The first quarter of his life was lived through Jim Crow. And that is the more he sees things change, the more they remain the same. Yeah. And Ryan, we're, if we're talking about how it'll be, again, interesting probably isn't the right word to use, but at least it's going to have a spotlight on all these organizations and how, they handle a response to this specific moment. Look, this is a New York Rangers podcast, right? We're not even six weeks removed from what happened to Keandre Miller on his introductory Zoom phone call with fans, right? Same organization that took four hours to even put out any kind of statement about that. Ryan and I have said this at the beginning of the podcast. It's now 8.06 p.m. East Coast time. Still haven't seen anything from the New York Rangers about no, anything. Craig, not only that, on they world. reported to Vince that nothing was imminent. I don't know yeah. what needs to be, what what else needs to happen. <laughs> you know, yeah, so you know, it's just Ryan. It's just it, that that to me, it, it's again, and we mentioned this before, and we'll mention it now. It's 
these organizations, most of them, when they put out a statement, it's just to say that they put out a statement, right? Very, very rarely do we see something like the Dallas Stars put out today, which was actually meaningful and had true value behind it. But in, in a world of, you know, virtue signaling right now, the fact that some organizations haven't even done that, right? The last thing the New York Rangers even did was retweet that Tony D'Angelo was starting a podcast. So it's, we, you get those kind of moments and it, it, it just brings up more questions, it feels like. Interesting part about that, Greg. So I had a conversation with someone today who works for a team, we'll say in a professional league, I don't want to give away this person's identity, who said, here's the statement we're looking at. And one of the things this person shared with me was how they want to be able to say what needs to be said about racism and how it needs to be combated. But they wanted to find a way to say it in a manner that doesn't disparage the relationship they have with their local police department because they want to keep that going. And to hear that sort of insight provides context into the fact that for some people in the general public, they might look at it as just issue a statement. But when you look at it from a team's perspective, it's something that has to be strategic because every word is going to get picked apart. Every sentence, is going to be examined to the point of, well, did you mean this or did you mean this or did you really not say this? Did you really not say that? And that's the challenge teams are going through. But as for the Rangers specifically, nobody knows why they've done what they've done other than them. It may be they're trying to find the right words that kind of say it all. Maybe it's something different. Who's to say? And it's even really difficult to speculate because we just don't simply know. But when you talk to people who've had to do these statements before, that's sort of what goes into it is making sure, like, is this the right way to frame this? Is this the right, right way to present something? Is this the correct way to make sure that you're getting that message across? But are you able to do that without polarizing people? And that's really the $50 million question right now is no matter what you say about this subject, it's going to be polarizing. If you say something people feel supports the idea of combating racism, there are going to be some who have something to say against it. If you issue a statement where people feel like you didn't say enough, you're probably going to hear it from both sides. If you don't have a statement at all, People are then going to ask, well, why didn't you say anything? And the people who are okay with that person not saying anything are going to say, well, why is it your business how this person thinks or feels? So that's just it. It's how do you come up with something that's the perfect way of saying it that you hope doesn't polarize people, but the reality is it's going to polarize people. That's just 2020 in a nutshell. I think that's what you just described, Ryan. Um, I'm sort of out of questions at this point. I just want to thank you for writing the article today. I thought it was absolutely wonderful. I'm Greg, I'm not sure if you have other questions, but the one line that really stood out to me was the Evander Kane saying, if you're uncomfortable, I, I'm paraphrasing here, but he said, if you're uncomfortable, that's good. Like, that's good. It's going to be uncomfortable. And to me personally, and on my personal level, if you're uncomfortable, that's good because you're going to experience change because you're not comfortable with something and change as everyone knows, um, is a process. It takes, it takes like your own self to change. And that's 
Evander saying that was really enlightening to me, and uh, I appreciate you writing that. Greg, any any questions for Ryan here? Um, it, it, I don't, not any that I can think of right now, and I'm sure I'll think of more down the line, and I'll more than happily share them with you, Ryan, and we'll get them out there as soon as we can. Uh, I, I guess we'll be remiss if we don't at least ask you one specific hockey avalanche related question uh i guess if your your thoughts on the avalanche's chances when this 2014 playoff starts again if it even starts again which we don't know at this point will even happen sure everybody's looked at the avalanche and kind of wondered the same thing because this was a team that had gone through injuries and then they were starting to get players back before things went on pause and now that it's been on pause Presumably everyone, with the exception of Colin Wilson, is healthy, and it's possible Colin Wilson could be healthy. No one really knows how he's recovered from the long, from excuse me, from the long-term lower body injury that kept him out for an extended period of time, and it's still a wait and see. But as it relates to the ads, hypothetically speaking, it could be the first time in several months they have a full complement of players that they can play. So you know what the first line is going to look like with Gabriel Lamscog, Nathan McKinnon, Nico Rantanen. You have an idea what the second line will look like with Andre Burkowski, Nazem Kadri. That right wing slot might be a little bit different because there's some competition. Your fourth line when everyone's healthy is Matt Calvert, Pierre Edward Belmar, Matt Nieto. Two of those three players had career years. Well, Matt Calvert was having a career year before the pause, before the pause and before he got injured. He was on pace for his first 20 goal season. And then you have defensive partnerships that have been in place all year and two goalies that, while Philip Grubauer has had his injury issues, when he was healthy before he got hurt in the outdoor game against the Los Angeles Kings, he was putting together some of his best performances of the season while Pavel Francouz, he's won 20-plus games when no one really knew what to think of what he would do. So it's just a matter of what you do for second-line right wing, what the third line looks like. But the thought is, is when this team is healthy, they might have a serious shot of challenging. As for what that will be when this thing occurs, if this occurs, it's anybody's mystery because I'll say it's going to be quiet, but whenever I've done radio in Denver or other places and they're like, oh, how does this new format impact people? I'm like, here's the thing. There are teams that were out of this that when you look at how they were playing beforehand, what they could look like when they're healthy, their style of play, they might disrupt some things. So like when you look in the East, let's face it, before the pod, the Rangers were really starting to yeah, build some we momentum. Know. And we know, Chris, right? <laughs> oh, I know. And I mean, and like, it's one of those things where, like, if Chris Kreider's healthy, you've got your goaltending situated. And if Mika Zibanejad to continue what he was doing where he was a one-man wrecking ball, that is not going to be a fun team to play. And when you look at the West, like, it seems so strange to talk about the Coyotes. But here's the thing. Defensively, they're one of the best teams in the league. They do not give up a lot. And we saw how teams like Carolina used a similar approach last year to go all the way to the Eastern Conference Final. Now, granted, Carolina scores a little bit more than what Arizona does, but who's to say Arizona may not win a series? And that's what's going to be so intriguing about all of this is for all the reasons you could sit there and say X, Y, and Z team makes sense, the team with the green number nine Uno card might win the whole thing to make us all look like morons. So there you go. <laughs> uh we haven't talked to you since the trade deadline. Were you at all surprised that the Avalanche 
didn't go big game hunting with the Rangers and Chris Kreider. I know we talked to you before the deadline happened leading up to it, thinking that Colorado and New York always made a lot of sense, especially when we consider the fact that Colorado and the Rangers, uh, the Rangers were talking about a Kreider deal at the 2018 draft, 2018 draft, 2019, 2019 draft. Um, man, that feels like a, that's seven years ago. Years ago. Seven years ago. Yeah. Uh, you, were you surprised? Were you not surprised that the Avalanche didn't shop in the Chris Kreider aisle after all? That's the difficult part because if Kreider doesn't sign a contract, then maybe that's an easier question to answer. But because he signs a contract, it's a moot point. But let's play out the hypothetical: if he doesn't, he says, "I, I want to leave," or. I'm not going to sign in the Rangers feel like they've got to do something. The question the Avalanche would have had to have answered is the financial implications of it. And that's the question they're facing right now, even though they got Vladislav Nemesnikov, who is considerably cheaper than Chris Kreider. The thing that the Avalanche are facing are you've got to eventually sign Nathan McKinnon in three years and he makes 6.3. And we know that's probably going to double. You've got to worry about signing Kale McCarr. You've got to get a new deal done for Gabriel Landeskog. You want to get a new deal done for Philip Grubauer, but you also have to re-sign these RFAs like Ryan Graves, who has become a first-pairing defenseman, Andre Burakovsky, who's become the second-line left winger you've tried to find and develop for the last few years. And also you look at Valeri Nichushkin, which went from, oh, it's just a depth signing to give them size, to now it's like, wow, he could be a legitimate third-line presence who gives you size, speed, two-way ability, and he can score goals and key goals when you need him to. That all comes with a cost. And so if you're going to get Kreider, the question becomes, then who do you move on from? And it's certainly not to say that teams don't want a guy like Chris Kreider. I mean, why wouldn't they? I mean, he's got size, he's got agility, he can score, he's a bully in front of the net. I mean, he provides you so many different things, but like any player with several tools, those tools cost money. And if you're the avalanche where you've been extremely budget conscious since this rebuild, you have to ask yourself, is it worth altering that budget knowing that you're going to have some big names to pay? Not only some big names to pay, but some big names that do some important things for you. So when you put it in that context, it makes sense why they probably felt like once he signed, it was a done deal. But had he signed, but had he not signed, then who's to say what would have happened? But then it's a question of, do you give up that much for a rental? So sorry to go through all these hypotheticals, but that's just it with this, with this team or any other team is it's all these things to consider because the Avalanche are a team that whenever they go for someone, they think that they're going to be a part of their vision long-term. And given what the market reportedly was for Chris Kreider, if you're talking about a first and a couple prospects, is that something you're willing to part with for someone who's a rental especially if you don't win it. And furthermore, what's to say that he would take less money to stay? Maybe he would, maybe he wouldn't. Who's to say, again, all these hypotheticals to play out. So many. I miss hockey. I think you'll have a good chance of covering a Stanley Cup final team. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for the great work you do, and thank you for being our coworker. Um, Hopefully we'll have you on again soon. You got it, guys. Thanks for having me. Anytime.